Thank you for listening to our listening to the Church of Christ Church, Christ Church podcast. podcast. More information Hope about that you our coverage is inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christ Church, why don't you Sunday hello. We'd love to connect. Morena Fano, if it's great to have you here. And uh, if we haven't met, my name's Pete. I'm the campus pastor. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's so great to be here with you on the 19th of December. This is our last pre-Christmas service for the year. The next one, the last one, the real last one is on the 26th of, uh, of December, but that's next week. But uh, this day, we are looking at Jesus called the Prince of Peace. This is our last our message in a series called He Will Be Called. And uh, today we're calling Jesus the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Well, last week I shared about God being an everlasting Father, and uh, and there was this image in the in the message because God is our everlasting Father. It means that, like children, we can come tearing into the house, uh, covered with uh, with blood, and you know, like uh, as children do when they hurt themselves on the driveway and they run into the house. And then like, like an earthly parent, God looks after us, takes care of us, and whispers into our ear and comforts us. And so last week I shared about that. Um, and then no sooner than just a few hours, we had that exact experience in our house. Uh, we were at a family um, Christmas gathering. This particular Christmas, my side of the family are, are dispersing around the country. So we had an early Christmas dinner, and it was post-Christmas dinner. It was that beautiful time when everybody's eaten too much and, uh, and we're sitting there and just relaxing and just the peace is just flooding the home. The children were outside playing and in screaming came our youngest son, Hudson, who's only two. He's turning three in January and he is quite the daredevil. And he decided that he, instead of climbing down the ladder of the tramp, he was going to leap off the tramp and he uh, face-planted into the ground. Uh, but don't worry, he is mostly okay. Um, Sarah actually reckons he might have a broken nose, but, <laughs> but he was really sore. He came screaming in, and um, blood and tears all over his face, and next time he'll learn to climb down the ladder instead of uh, leaping off. But it was just one of those moments like you've experienced where the rest and the relaxation uh, was, was rudely, or not rudely actually, as children, we can't blame them, but it was quickly interrupted by ice packs, crying children, concerned cousins, and it felt like Sarah and I were just hit with a bit of forba too by the stark realities of parenting in that moment. It burst like a bubble really, really quickly. And it's all happened to us in one way or the other, that type of experience where, where what we've been hoping for at Christmas is peace, rest, joy, and tranquility. And, and, but the realities of life kind of jump out of nowhere and hit us, and we're left asking the question, well, where's the peace here? Where's the peace here? Uh, we, we, we're supposed to be celebrating the Prince of Peace, uh, Jesus Christ, and his birth at Christmas. But our lives at certain times of the year, December included, we can ask the question, where is the peace? For you, it might be uh, financial struggles you're facing at Christmas, and you've got this uh, sense of expectation on you from other people or from within yourself that you're expected to spend money, and you know in your heart that it's not a good call, but you're, you're asking yourself, well, where, where's the peace in this? For you, it might be a whole mixture 
of work dues, of church gatherings, of kids' prize givings, of preparation for Christmas dinner and family are coming over. And so for you, December feels like it just lacks, it lacks peace. And you're wondering that question, where is the peace? It might also be family disagreements, and, and family disagreements and tensions have a way uh, in lots of different situations of popping up once a year at Christmas. And you're wondering, uh, everybody gathering together is a stressful thought, and you're wondering how you might manage people and their baggage and their expectations this Christmas. You're asking, where is the peace? Because all of us have had the experience of one, of, of two things coming in conflict with each other. The first thing is that we have lots on. We have lots on relationally. We can have lots on financially and, and a whole host of other ways. We just have lots on. And the second thing that comes in contact with that is this idea that we have a lurking suspicion that Jesus has more peace for you at Christmas than you allow yourself to experience. We can experience that. You know, Mother uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had, had this kind of Christmas. She had this kind of experience. And so in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read you her story. It starts off with Mary and Joseph. They're engaged to be married. They haven't yet been married. Um, and they are required to go to Joseph's hometown to register in a empire, Roman Empire-wide census. This is what it says in Luke 2, verse 4. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That's supposed to be a scandal moment, if you didn't get, get that. They're not married and she's pregnant. Um, while... While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room, uh, there was no guest room available for them. Doesn't sound like a peaceful Christmas. There, here, here are some facts to consider. Mary at the stage is so pregnant that she is about to give birth. So even if the baby is coming early in the story, uh, which we don't know if Jesus did or not, but even if he's coming early, Mary is traveling across country in the open country th between 35 and 40 weeks pregnant. I don't know how you've experienced pregnancy and children arriving into the world, but that does not sound like a peaceful experience to me. Mary is traveling on a donkey. Now, in the two times I've had the experience of loading my pregnant wife into the car, at no time would I ever thought that she would be able to get on a donkey. Get on a, I don't, that's a crazy thought. 35 weeks pregnant, that is not a peaceful experience. You know, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 145 kilometers. That is the, nearly as far as Belfast to Timaru. On a donkey, 35 weeks pregnant, on dusty, unsealed roads, totally open to the elements. And so Mary is thinking to herself, God, you told me that this baby would bring peace into the world. Could you start bringing the peace now, please? Could I have some of the peace of his later life? Could I just have a little deposit, just a little taste for right now? Because I'm asking the question, where is the peace? And there's our problem. 
And there's our problem. There's an expectation that every human experiences where we think, uh, where we understand, one, that God has a peace to give. And two, that we think his peace comes with the removal of our problems. That we think that the peace from our challenges and the problems is the same thing as the peace that God has to give. And that's simply not the case when it comes to Scripture. You see, the, the phrase Prince of Peace in Hebrew is Sar Shalom. Let me just break that down for you. Sar Shalom. Sar means the one who is in charge, the Lord, the captain, the chief. You know, Romans, uh, Romans used that same word Sar, very similar. Uh, and they used it, and from the word Sar comes the word Caesar. And the Russians, uh, they also use the word Tsar to describe the emperor. It's, it's the idea that the Tsar is the one who is in charge, the one who holds all of the power, the top dog. And the word Shalom, in English, we translate as peace. It's a very interesting word. Because when, when I say, or if someone is to use the, the English word peace to me, I would naturally think of world peace, or maybe peace in my home, or maybe inner peace. But I wouldn't think of all of those things all as one thing. Because uh, the word shalom has a very uh, deep meaning. Shalom means rest. It means tranquility. Shalom means wholeness. Uh, someone who is experiencing shalom is experiencing life exactly how God intended them to live. Shalom means completeness. And complete in every way. As a complete as a parent complete in your life as a son or a daughter, complete as a home builder, um, being at peace with the world, as well as a sense of peace within yourself, and finding yourself in a community of people devoted to God, and whom blessing and anointing of God rests over. Someone who experiences shalom finds themselves in that kind of situation. So Jesus is the Sar Shalom, the Lord of shalom, peace. If I was to make an observation simply based on that title, I would say many people in the world want the peace but are not prepared to submit to the Tsar. Can you hear me this morning? You know, um, some people are saying, yeah, I want peace in my life, but I still want to live independent from the captain. Jesus says that he is the prince of peace. The word prince comes first. Submission to the prince comes first. If you want peace, you have to ex uh, submit to the prince. If you want peace, you've got to submit to the prince. We want to remain independent naturally as humans. We, we, we struggle with needing to trust God in certain areas. We struggle with being uh, wanting to be self-sufficient, but we still want to get the peace of God because we want all of, we want our cake and we want to keep it as well. And God says it does not work like that. If you want the peace, you've got to submit to the prince. It's the prince of peace. You don't get the peace without the prince. We can't have peace and wholeness and tranquility uh, from our spiraling credit card debt and still keep God out of our finances. We submit to his lordship. If we uh, trim our expenses, if we set a portion of our finances aside to God and start setting aside uh, for, uh, savings in our life, what we find is the peace of God descends on that area of our life. We find God blessing it. 
We can't have peace in our relationships, in our families, and finding peace within ourselves uh, unless we allow God to speak to our hearts and to challenge us on areas that need healing. It might be that when God speaks to you, He's asking you to uh, step out around a misunderstanding. It might be a question of having a difficult conversation. It might be of a, a humbling of ourselves before somebody else. But when we put the, the prince of, of, of heaven, when we put Jesus in that area and we submit to his leadership, what we find is the peace descends upon that area. Often we want the peace without the prince. Jesus says, I am the Sar Shalom. I am the peace of God. And it comes with submission to the prince. So as uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, I want to ask you, well, what does that mean for you this morning? I've got, just got two areas. There's probably lots more, but I want to share with you two areas that affect your life if you were to consider Jesus as being the Prince of Peace. The first one is this, the Sar Shalom who comforts you. Jesus is the Sar Shalom who comforts you. Jesus is the peace, and that peace brings comfort. Some of us right now are going through things and fears that we never thought we had to. I don't have to remind you of what kinds of things might be on your mind if we dial back two or three years, and I guarantee a worldwide pandemic would not be one of them. We're facing things that we never expected to have to face, and there's a growing sense within our hearts, uh, and I'm definitely speaking to someone this morning, and you understand that what you really need is peace in the storm. Jesus is coming to bring you comfort, but maybe not how you expected it. This is what it says. Jesus says about himself in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So whose peace is it that Jesus is giving you? Because it's not your peace. It's not, it's not peace as if it was courage that you just kind of had to drum up from within yourself, that you've got a special peace reserve that you can just access and just whip out, like you get out of jail free card in the game of Monopoly. It's not like that. Um, it's peace that comes from Jesus. It's his peace. And it comes as a gift for you. And Jesus says in the scripture, I do not give as the world gives. Because the world promised peace. The world promises peace when all your ducks are in a row. You might think to yourself, well, I'll, I'll have peace when my income increases. You might think to yourself, well, I'll have peace when the baby starts sleeping through. And no doubt you will, hopefully. I'm not saying you won't. But, you know, if we think when that happens, we'll start getting peace. When I retire from my job, when the mortgage is paid off, the world promises peace when your problems are gone. But Jesus says, no, no, that's not the way it works with me. My peace is different. You can't explain it. My peace is like a deep contentment that comes from knowing that whatever you're going through, I am there with you in the struggle. My peace is me being with you in the midst of your challenges. It's the peace of Jesus that comes from his heart to you. It's not your peace. Maybe it's a little like this. Uh, we have an accountant called Jeff. Jeff's a great friend of ours. We, we love Jeff dearly, but he's our accountant, and he knows everything about our finances. 
uh, he's an accountant, so he knows about the tax system. He knows what we have to pay and when we have to pay it. He knows about our tax codes and he knows what GST stands for, uh, among lots of other things. Hopefully that. Yeah, he, he, is, he is qualified. He, uh, he knows how to best structure our finances to make sure that everything is ship-shaped and honky-dory. Uh, I don't have very much expertise in that area. And if I was relying on myself, I wouldn't know whether I'd underpaid tax and there was a bill waiting, or God forbid if I'd overpaid tax, um, or when to save for a tax payment. I wouldn't know what categories or forms to fill out. I wouldn't know what laws apply to us and what laws don't apply to us in that area. And so I wouldn't have any kind of peace on my own for the financial uh, security of my family in that area. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have peace. And so, uh, but I don't need to know those things to have peace. I have peace because Jeff has peace. Come on, somebody. Jeff knows all of those things. Jeff, we love Jeff. Jeff person, you're a legend. Uh, yeah, you can find him. Anyway, anyway, don't worry. He's a good accountant if you need an accountant. But um, he has a peace that everything is ship shape. And because of his peace, I can have peace. I'm not in control of the dates. I'm not in control of the payments and, and the laws and so forth. But I have a peace because Jeff is. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. He is in control of your future. He knows what 2022 has for you, and he has peace because of it. And so you might not have a peace, but Jesus is saying, I've got a peace because I'm in control. Would you let my peace invade your life? I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm all powerful. Whatever challenges pop up, I will be with you, and that will bring peace. Submission to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus brings peace. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it talks about peace in this way. This is what it says. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So maybe you're thinking today, you're thinking, you know, that kind of peace that you're describing, I, I don't have it. I don't have that kind of peace in my life. Maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer, but honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest, life has had its challenges, and I guess I've just been trying to do them on my own, in my own strength. I've been trying to solve problems outside of the leadership of the Prince of Peace. Well, if that's you in your situation, and you're saying, okay, Pete, well, that, that's kind of me, well, what do I do? Well, the Bible is, is really, really clear. Really practically, it says this in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So in my life, in my devotional life, what that means is that I'm really specific about the words that I pray when I'm feeling anxiety start to build. I use a particular prayer that I pray uh, whenever something sneaks up on me. I would pray a prayer, something along the lines of, Jesus, I give you everything. I place the problem of, of such and such, whatever it is, in your hands. I leave it with you. I cast it upon you today, and I choose in this moment not to pick it up again. I cast my anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for me. He is the Prince of Peace, and that brings comfort. The second thing I want to share with you is this, is, the, is Jesus is the Sar Shalom who saves you. 
Jesus comforts you, but Jesus is the Sar Shalom who saves you. Because if you start looking at verses in the Bible and, and, and start reading Scripture for yourself, you, what you learn is you don't get very far in talking about the peace of God without realizing that the whole world, every single human being, is infected with a deadly disease that affects and taints every single thing we touch, every single thing we feel, and every interaction we have is tainted by the deadly disease of sin and selfishness. And so what that means in that situation is that Jesus is the peace who brings salvation from that. He brings a pathway out of that. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Since therefore we have been justified through faith, just remember that, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been justified. We've been called righteous in the eyes of God, not by the good things that we have done, Trust me, you haven't done enough good things, neither have I. Um, but instead, because we have believed in Jesus. Now, it really is as simple as that. We don't earn our way into God's good books. Uh, that ship sailed a long time ago. We, we find ourselves in relationship with God because of Jesus and accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If we accept that on our own we are lost, but in Jesus we're saved, we find ourselves justified through faith, because Jesus is the God who saves. You know, there are times, and this is probably a controversial thing to say, but, but I believe it to be true. There are times when God will withdraw his peace from your life in, in order to draw you closer to himself. There are times when we feel unsettled, on edge, lacking peace, because God is trying to communicate to us that we need him, that we need saving. You know, when I was a kid, my uh, dad was the pastor of a church, and we were at this um, fundraiser for something one day, youth group probably, and I stole $2 out of the fundraiser kit. I did. It was a... These guys, are, these guys are judging me right now. That's why I'm smiling. But it was a serious thing to do. I stole money from the church. Uh, and other children saw me, and I knew that I was caught. I don't know if you can relate, don't have to admit it if you can, but, but in that moment, there was a moment of panic. My conscience was telling me that, that what I'd done was wrong. There was a looming feeling of being found out, and God had removed his peace. It wasn't a punishment. It wasn't a punishment. But it was to draw me to confess what I'd done and to make things right with God as, as well as those people who I'd stolen from. You know, there are times when in order to experience uh, peace within ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, do I have peace with God? How am I doing with him relationally? Yeah, I remember as a young man, uh, someone on the street came up to me and, and said to me, Pete, have, uh, have you ever told a lie? I said, yeah, sure, of course, everyone's, everyone's told a lie. He said, okay, all right. There's another commandment. Have you, have you ever stolen something? I said, well, yeah, I've, I've already confessed to you on this day that I've stolen something. So, yeah, I've, I've stolen things. Uh, he says, uh, have you ever made something in your life more important than God? The Bible calls that idolatry. Have you ever done that? I said, yes. 
So this guy says to me, Pete, these are all things from the Ten Commandments. So what you've just admitted to me is that you are a lying, idol-worshipping thief. (laughs) Yes. And there was a long, awkward pause in the conversation, just like you're experiencing right now. And so you're thinking, come on, Pete, you lay off a bit. I came to church to get encouraged, and we love to encourage people. But, but there is a truth here. There is a truth here that we can't miss at Christmas time. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who has come to save. And that guy, even though it came across as a little um, abrupt, he taught me something that day that actually he was right. I have lied. I have worshipped things that weren't God, and I have stolen. And so, like anybody who fits that description, I need need saving. We miss this at Christmas. We can miss this at Christmas, that we look at Jesus in the manger, and we just see a baby, and we see the good things of God coming. But Jesus grew up to be a man, a man who would die on the cross to take my sin off me and place it upon his own shoulders because he is the God who saves. We are all affected by sin and need saving from it. You never have to teach a child to sin. It comes naturally. Just like you never have to teach the child, a child the word no. It's one of the first words they ever learn. You don't have to teach it to them. You try your hardest to teach them mama and dada and the word they come up with first is no. Selfishness affects us all. We are all affected by it. So as the keys come this morning, I want to share with you one final scripture. And uh, this is actually a Christmas scripture. You might not have heard it as a Christmas scripture, but it absolutely is. In John chapter 3, verse 16, I want to share this with you this morning. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who saves. Peace comes into our world, uh, into our own lives, by finding ourselves in peace with God, experiencing that shalom that He talks about. And in our lives, when we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what we find is that shalom begins to seed itself in our hearts, in our lives. We find rest. We find peace tranquility. We find life as it was always intended. What we find is the Prince of Peace. So as we close here today, you might be here and you're saying to yourself, well, Pete, for me, life is not at peace. You have a sense deep down that peace with God is something that you don't have. What I want to say is this, just like me as a child having stolen that money, God often creates something in our lives a feeling in our lives that something is amiss, that something is missing. And the reason he does that is so that we would turn to a relationship with him and accept that that there's nothing that we can do but accept the gift of God this Christmas. That's as simple as praying a prayer. It says, God, I don't have enough on my own. I don't have what it takes to reach you, but I believe that you reached out to me 
thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.